0: On this Monday episode of Locked on Grizzlies, I will be breaking down Grizzlies heat. Some key takeaways from lost loss in Miami. I'll be looking at the rotation, not necessarily who should be in it, but who should be out of it heading into the regular season. And then breaking down a weird week ahead. The Grizzlies don't play again until Friday evening. Lots of work to do, things to improve upon, how to maximize that week. I'll focus on that and more on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, dear friend. It is another installment of Locked on Grizzlies. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are, however you may be taking in the show over on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. It is I, Joe Molinax of Bluff City Media, and I'm so grateful to be with you once again on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. This particular installment of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by GameTime. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LockdownNBA for 20 minutes off your first purchase, $20 off your first purchase, not 20 minutes off. That would be quite the expense. But again, use the code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. It is a Monday, of course, and uh, we're getting that energy rolling early here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Again, I am Joe Mullinax of Bluff City Media. Make sure you're checking me out over on X at Joe Mullinax. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, commenting, liking, reviewing. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can get Locked On Grizzlies. Subscribe and download and check us out over on YouTube as well. Wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you check us out, thank you so much for being with us. Again, I am Flying Solo, my co-host to Michael Cole of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, getting into the season groove, getting some extra work done over at the Commercial Appeal. So it is I with you once more. Talking preseason basketball, hopefully you don't mind too much. I've got some interesting thoughts. Grizzlies heat. and I'm sure you do as well and maybe you can mention them in the comments. Hit me up on social media. We can talk through some of these things. Again, the the Grizzlies losing means nothing. I I can't reiterate that enough. It's a preseason game. It's meaningless. The Grizzlies did not play Stephen Adams in this game. The Grizzlies did not play Marcus Smart in this game. There's reports that Smart is building up toward uh, being ready for the Friday contest to end the preseason. Fingers crossed on that one. But the ramp up, according to Taylor Jenkins, the head coach of the Grizzlies, is sounding good to this point. So we'll 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 take him at his word there. Again, Adams doesn't play. The Grizzlies weren't at full strength. Obviously, the Miami Heat, you can argue, were not at full strength either. No Jimmy Butler in this one. But it's the preseason. I just don't care if the Grizzlies are winning or losing a preseason game. And it's important to point out that the Grizzlies were winning at the end of the first half and their offense looked pretty strong until the fourth quarter hit, and the Grizzlies, again, Jaron Jackson Jr. with only 25 minutes played. Derrick Rose, only 22 minutes played. Desmond Bain, only 25 minutes played. Those guys are going to play a lot more than 25 minutes come the regular season, whereas you have a Tyler Hero who plays 31 minutes, and he was probably the best player on the floor, him and Bam Adebayo in this one. Adebayo only played 25 minutes, but Hero had 31 minutes logged, so – a little bit more closely aligned to his regular season run. So the Grizzlies weren't playing to win. If they were, the minutes wouldn't have been distributed the way they were. That's not what matters. What matters is who played well, who played well with others, and the rhythm that the team had offensively continues to be something to be optimistic about. We've talked about Coach St. Andrews coming over from Milwaukee with the Bucks, connected to Taylor Jenkins, obviously, from that uh, – Coach her coaching tree. And there's been noticeable change. There's been adjustments in the way Jaron Jackson Jr. has attacked the basket. You're seeing them being more comfortable in the mid-range. I do believe that it's giving Zaire Williams a lot more confidence, the freedom that Zaire can, hey, if you have a pull-up jumper and you're open, take it. Right? He has to feel like he is being more catered to in this system. He just has to be. There's no discomfort when you watch Zaire play basketball right now. And he, to me, and we'll talk more about this with Michael as the week unfolds, to me, going into this final preseason game at the end of the week, it's Zaire's job to lose as the fifth starter. I think it should be Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. And we can talk about all the reasons why as the week grinds forth. But Zaire looked really good, made four threes. And again, the threes aren't necessarily as much of a focus for me has his ability to get to the basket, create off the dribble. He got three rebounds in 21 minutes played. You'd like to see that a little bit higher, and we'll talk about the rebounding here momentarily. I just think his confidence is oozing. He has said he was the hardest-working guy on the team over the summer. You'd like to hear that confidence. You want to see it translate onto the court, and Zaire most certainly is doing that. Another thing in these preseason games that you want to see is your starters, your, your stars, getting into their season rhythm. Desmond Bain had started slow from three to begin the preseason festivities, four for eight from beyond the arc tonight, or excuse me, on Sunday night. Either way, right, he was going to get going, and he was going to find his footing and find his stroke. Bain doing it again. It's nice to hear it. It's nice to think that and understand the law of averages. You've watched a lot of Desmond Bain basketball, I'm imagining, just like I have. You knew it was going to come. It was good to see it happen there in Miami. Zaire Williams, we talked about him off the bench. I liked what Kenneth Lofton Jr. did as a scorer. I did not like his plus-minus, which we'll talk more about later on in the show, about who might be the likely odd man out of this rotation. He had a team worse minus 20 in 22 minutes played. Uh, Compare that to Xavier Tillman, plus three in 18 minutes played. X did not put up the numbers that Lofton did scoring, but he was a better rebounder in the time he was on the floor two steals, one block compared to just one steal for Lofton. There's still a pretty sizable gap in terms of what X is able to do defensively compared to what Lofton is able to do defensively. Effort plays at the end of meaningless preseason games uh, notwithstanding. People might talk about Derrick Rose cooling off a little bit, scoring the basketball. I could care less about that because I don't want Derrick Rose taking a bunch of shots. I want Derrick Rose to be a facilitator of offense without losing turnovers because you have to remember – A concern of mine going into the season, if you haven't been checking out Lockdown Grizzlies, I am worried about the drop-off from Tyus Jones in that particular regard. I'm a big believer in protecting possessions, protecting opportunities to score the basketball, especially if your half-court offense is not your strong suit. You don't want to just be throwing the ball out there all willy-nilly. The Grizzlies in general did pretty well in the game. Only eight turnovers compared to 13 for the Miami Heat. So they protected the ball overall as a team well. But his 22 minutes of play, only one turnover as the lead point guard for Memphis, that's good to see. He's going to be the point guard back up behind Marcus Smart, assuming health, so he's not going to get 22 minutes. You might see him playing you know, 14 to 16 a night. Within that time period, one turnover, three to four assists, keeping that ratio, that would be great to see. Santi Aldama, two for six from three, really an impressive three-level score. We continue to see flashes of that almost every time Santi steps out on the floor. Things I didn't like in this game, the defense, obviously, especially in the third quarter where the Heat go off for 40 points. Can't make an excuse on that one, right? The starters played a little bit in that third quarter. And as that transition happens from the starters to the bench, you can't go from a first half where you look like you're going to beat the Heat by double digits in theoretical regular season play, and then the wheels fall off. You would like to see better from guys that you're counting on, not necessarily with the Grizzlies, but with the Memphis hustle, right? So I thought it was a poor showing for the other guys, if that makes sense, the ones at the end of the roster. But when you're sitting on a podcast talking about the the likes of Shaquille Harrison and, you know, Matthew Hurt, not living up to their end of the bargain. I mean, Jacob Gilliard, two-way contract, Michael Mulder, uh, Matthew Hurt, like we talked about Kenneth Lofton Jr., Those are the guys that were a part of that, you know, minus 13, minus 20 type of basketball playing. Uh, The starters, every starter except for David Roddy was a plus. You had pluses from Xavier Tillman, pluses from Zaire Williams. But in-game plus minus isn't the perfect stat. Obviously, there's lots of flaws with most statistics. Uh, But at the same time, you can spin them any way you want. I didn't come away from that game thinking that Memphis was in trouble because they blew up against the heat. They looked good in the first half when they were playing it like a NBA regular season game. Then as the transition went into preseason basketball, the guys that aren't going to be with the Grizzlies consistently struggled. And sometimes it's that simple, right? That's why you don't care about wins and losses. You want to see guys playing well. And the ones that matter most for Memphis played particularly well. There's reason to be optimistic on that front. When we come back here on Lockdown Grizzlies, we will talk about early takeaways on the rotation. Who should be the odd man out? Who should be the ones that are getting the run before anybody else? We'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event where your seats are going to be, whether or not you're getting the best price. Game Time takes that concern out of it for you. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. What do I like about Game Time? I love the views from all seats in the venue. It gives you a bird's eye peek at where you're going to be sitting and what the line of sight is going to be. You can get last-minute tickets, all sorts of different types of deals, and it's extremely easy to find that lowest price guarantee. Plus, you can get event cancellation protection and so much more. Make sure that you are checking out game time. They are obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Take the guesswork out of buying those tickets with the good folks at game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. When we come back here on Lockdown Grizzlies, who is not going to be taking the floor on opening night? At least if Coach Joe Mullinax had something to say about it. We'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Stick with me. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am Joe Mullinax, flying solo once more here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Michael Cole will be back with us on tomorrow's episode. We haven't forgotten about the NBA GM survey. I think that would be a great topic for this week. Since Memphis doesn't have another game until Friday, obviously the Thursday episode of the show, uh, we can preview that particular contest. Hopefully there will be good injury news on the Marcus Smart front heading into that one. But I do believe that this will be a good time for me, at least, without the pressure of the Michael, um, you know, giving me a hard time of the commercial appeal. My wonderful co-host. I don't want to say pressure. That's not fair. To Michael is my balance. He's the yin to my yang. He makes sure that I don't go overboard. When I have a chance to fly solo here on Locked on Grizzlies, I can be a little bit more of a free spirit. And that's exactly what I'm going to do when I talk about who should be the odd man out. So looking at the Grizzlies rotation as it is. All right. The guys that started the game tonight. Jaron Jackson Jr., a lock. So that's one guy. Santi Aldama, probably not a starter, but a lock. He's number two. Derek Rose, going to be the backup point guard, assuming Marcus Smart is healthy. He's a lock, number three. Desmond Bain, of course, a lock, number four. I would say Zaire Williams, even if he's not the fifth man, if he's not the starter for the Grizzlies. That's who I would put in that slot. But I think Zaire is going to be in the rotation. He's earned that. So now you're up to five. Luke Kennard, too good of a three-point shooter, despite how he did in Miami. One for seven from the floor overall, 0 for five from three. Again, preseason game, I don't care. Luke Kennard's going to hit some threes. He's in the mix. That puts you at six. We talked about how smart and Stephen Adams did not play in this game. That is seven and eight right there. Assuming health, those two guys are on the floor. And that's without John Moran, right? So obviously, closer to December, we're going to have a different version of this conversation to Michael and I. So I'm at eight names. I haven't said David Roddy yet. I haven't said Xavier Tillman yet. I haven't said Kenneth Lofton Jr. yet. I haven't said Jake Laravia yet. I haven't said John Conchar yet. Those are five names for two spots. Assuming it's a ten man rotation. Whew, challenging, right? I would argue it's not that hard, and here's why: the ninth man should be Xavier Tillman at this point. And there's going to be a lot of Kenneth Lofton Jr. fans out there who are going to say that I'm a hater and I just don't get hoops. I'm not. I don't get Hoopers. Kenneth Lofton Jr. is a hooper. Why can't I see the value of a hooper? Kenneth Lofton Jr. can score the basketball. Nobody is denying that. I have never said he can't. That is an impressive skill. And that is something that, in my opinion, and I've been yelled at for this too, I get yelled at for everything. The gap between Kenneth Lofton Jr. and Xavier Tillman Sr., in my opinion, has closed some. Not that it's going to overtake X in this particular case. I don't think it will. But it's hard to watch Lofton Jr. improve as a defender, which he has, X not improve as a shooter, although he did make 1-3 against Miami, but he is not a perimeter threat like Lofton Jr. would be at all three levels, you could argue, as a scorer. X does things that Lofton does not in terms of his screening. X does things as a defender that Lofton could never hope to do, at least in my opinion, again. So while Lofton Jr. has gotten better defensively and while that gap has closed, I think X just does too much of the stuff that you need for eventually John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. to thrive. And that is significant. And that is what all views and visions about this roster moving forward come through and from for me. What does that particular player do to help get the most and the best out of John Morant, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. How does their game fit with those guys? And I think Xavier Tillman, you can play him next to Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's a defensive problem. He is a poor man's version of Steven Adams, obviously not the same size or skill, but he can do things as a screener, as a rebounder. He can pass the ball a little bit. He's a creator in the high post. A lot of the same sets that you love to run with Steven Adams, you can like running With Xavier Tillman. And that involves a lot of space creation for John Morant and Desmond Bain off the dribble. I think you have to have Xavier Tillman in that rotation to start the season. I think he's your fourth big man, 12 to 14 minutes a night or so. So now I've got nine. Who's my 10th? For me, my 10th is the guy that started against Miami. It's David Roddy. And again, the name of the game is versatility. People are going to clamor for Jake Laravia. People are going to clamor for John Conchar, hopefully not too many people, because I am most certainly not going to clamor for John Conchar. I think that Jake LaRavia has a higher upside than David Roddy at this stage of the game. I think LaRavia has a shooting stroke that can help that half-court offense, and maybe you're a religious listener. Maybe you're an everydayer to Lockdown Grizzlies over on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, and you say, Joe, I thought you were most concerned about the half-court offense. Wouldn't LaRavia help with that more? Theoretically, yes. But the key word there is theoretically. We have not seen that consistently at the NBA level from Jake LaRavia. We have seen contributions such as high-level defense. We have seen things like three-point shots made. We have seen rebounding and assist creation and the ability to defend multiple positions from David Roddy. David Roddy can play the three. He can play the four. He can be a combo forward who can be switchable defensively, who could be a secondary or tertiary facilitator of offense on the other end of the floor. He has more levels to his game at this stage than Jake Laravia, and he most certainly has more levels to his game than John Conchar. I said last week, John Conchar is white rice. John Conchar's advanced numbers pop because John Conchar's game is so malleable and moldable with whoever's around him, and that is a plus that's a reason John Conchar is on this roster, and that's a reason I'm not comfortable saying goodbye to John Conchar. He is your break glass in case of emergency guy. If your young guys are struggling, throw Conchar out there. He'll be a steadying force. If you have injuries, you could do a heck of a lot worse with end-of-the-bench guys than John Conchar. I just don't want to see him play in a healthy Grizzlies rotation, especially on the wings. When the wings are healthy, you should have Marcus Smart, you should have Desmond Bain. You should have Zaire Williams, Luke Kennard, David Roddy. Those are the dudes. Those are the guys that going into this season should be getting the maximum amount of minutes possible within a 10-man rotation. Taylor Jenkins goes to an 11-man rotation. The conversation between, can, becomes between LaRavia and Conchar. And again, I would go LaRavia. I would go with the guy who is younger. I would go with a guy who has a skill set that has much more higher ceilings than Conchar. Doesn't mean Conchar is a bad guy. Doesn't mean that he should be traded or released. I don't hate his contract. Again, for an end-of-the-bench player who will play some minutes out of need and necessity with injuries and the way that the schedule plays out, you could do a heck of a lot worse than John Conchar. But he should not be a part of this wing rotation moving forward When the team is healthy, there are younger, higher ceiling players. But Joe, the Grizzlies got out-rebounded by over 10 by double digits against Miami. Don't you think that was because Conchar wasn't there? It was because Steven Adams isn't there. And if you want to say that's a house of cards and they have too much invested in Steven Adams, financially, I would disagree with you. Overall scheme-wise, maybe. Maybe you're right. But Steven Adams is a one-man wrecking crew when he is out on the floor in terms of rebounding. You don't put John Conchar out there and his limitations in terms of a willingness to score. You don't do that in exchange for elite wing rebounding. You can get that from other places and you can get that David Roddy comfortable in the paint and around the rim. Sire Williams, six foot nine, Jake LaRavia, about six foot eight. I believe you've got bigger bodies, have them work on crashing the glass. Their ceiling is higher. doesn't mean you get rid of Conchar. It does mean he should not be in the opening night lineup. So for me, it's Jake Laravia that's the odd man out, and then it's John Conchar that's the odd man out. Going into opening night, I think it is a starting lineup of Marcus Smart, Desmond Payne, Zaire Williams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams, with a bench rotation of Derek Rose, and then you've got Luke Kennard. Then you've got uh, – we just talked about David Roddy, Santi Aldama, Xavier Tillman. Again, the Grizzlies rarely go true to second unit minutes. Uh, so I don't think you'll see that a ton. Saying it out loud makes you a little nervous defensively, but usually Taylor Jenkins does a pretty good job mixing and molding and meshing all the different guys, Uh, and there's rarely, if ever, a time where it's just the second unit on the floor without a single starter. So those would be my 10. What about you? Who's your odd man out? You can talk about it in the comments. Hit me up on social media, at Joe Mullinex on X. When we come back here on Lockdown Grizzlies, we're going to finish out this episode talking about the weird week For the Grizzlies ahead, they don't play again until Friday. What I would do if I was in charge of the Grizzlies to keep the guys focused in. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by BetterHelp. It is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way, like there's just too much going on and there's no way to process each and every possible piece of your life that is contributing to whatever is running through your mind on a daily basis? You know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. It is very helpful to learn positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for people that experience major trauma. It is for someone who perhaps just could use a voice to hear out what's going through their mind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time if you'd like with no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. When we come back, we're breaking down a weird week ahead for the Memphis Grizzlies. Coming up next, stick with us on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am Joe Mullinax, flying solo once more. No to Michael Cole. I miss him terribly. I'm sure you do as well. No fur, no no frets, no worries. He'll be back on the Tuesday edition of the podcast, talking all things Memphis Grizzlies with me once more. But for now, the next uh, several minutes, you'll be listening to the lovely baritone. That is Joe Mullinax of Bluff City Media. Each and every day, I'll try my best to be with you as the season approaches here on Lockdown Grizzlies. We've talked about a preseason game that's meaningless in terms of wins and losses, but things you'd like to see the team clean up. We've talked about who should be the odd man out, and I think you can combine all of that together in an opportunity that is the weird schedule ahead for the Grizzlies, because they don't play again until Friday. They only have one preseason game left, and that is on Friday against, I believe, I don't want to misquote here, so let me double check. I'm pretty sure it's Milwaukee Bucks. Pretty sure they have the Bucks again at uh, Milwaukee, and they do. They played Milwaukee at home and won 108-102. The next time they play is Friday night at Milwaukee against the Bucks. That's going to be the final game of the preseason. The regular season opening night, October 25th, right around the corner. Here is what I would do in the next several days. The Grizzlies will probably be off on Monday, coming back from Miami. Makes all the sense in the world. Give those guys a breather. Cool. You come in on Tuesday. You got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice. I think that you solidify your rotation. Hopefully you get five uh, starting guys out there in the Tuesday practice. Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams. You get those guys minutes against the reserves. You start working on your rotations. Who's going to play with who? Who's the first sub in? Those sorts of things. Which bigs are going to pair together is going to be extremely important, Right because you got two bigs that can space the floor in Jaron Jackson Jr. and Santi Aldama. You have two bigs, not so much, in Xavier Tillman and Steven Adams. Jaron and Santi can rarely play together, although the offensive possibilities are wonderful. But you can't do that for an extended period of time because if you play X and Steven Adams together, it'll be an offensive disaster unless you somehow were able to put Bain and Kennard and you know, just hope for the best in terms of spacing. It's unlikely, though. So how the bigs match, which wings play best together, trying to get a vibe for that as best you can in practice. That's extremely important. The rebounding has to be addressed, not because they got out-rebounded in a game on the preseason, you know, a week and a half before the season actually begins, but because it is something that they have to be good at if they're going to be successful without John Moran. I've said it time and again. This is different than it's been the last few years because Tyus Jones is not here. Tyus Jones is an excellent starting point guard. If you play fantasy basketball, pick up Tyus Jones wherever you can. He's going to have a good year for the Washington Wizards. I believe that barring injury and barring being out for injury. So he was a bad reserve, but he was a good starter when jaw was out. Marcus smart, Desmond Bain, how well they share that responsibility is going to be so significant. And how well those two guys who are both above average, and in Bain's case, even a little bit better than that, rebounders for their position, how those guys can help mask the weakness of Zaire Williams and Jaron Jackson Jr. as rebounders. How they get out in transition while still being able to clean the glass. Steven Adams obviously covers a lot of those issues, checks a lot of those boxes. How they do it without Steven Adams. That matters. And they have to get reps of that in practice. Which pairings, which threesomes, foursomes, fivesomes, how are they going to get the most out of the rebounding to make sure that stays a strength of theirs? In the past, they've been one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA, With Steven Adams healthy. He may not always be healthy, so you want to try to develop that plan B, that plan C. Minutes on the court between Smart and just about anybody. Marcus Smart needs that run. He needs the chance since he hasn't gotten it in live game minutes. There's no substitute for that. You hear players and athletes say that all the time. Coming off of an injury. There's no substitute for actually playing the game at a high level. Practice is not the same. Game reps. How he gets that up to snuff in one game, mildly concerning. Maybe DeMichael's not as worried about that. We'll talk about that more on our next episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. I am interested in how he finds his footing in non live reps. That's going to matter a heck of a lot. And you got to remember, John Morant can practice with this team, he'll be at practice all week. So that's a good way to maybe try to simulate some in-game situations, having Marcus Smart have to check John Morant on a daily basis, Tuesday through Thursday, again, assuming they're off today on Monday. Um, Maybe they're not. Maybe they're practicing. But I, I do think that you want to cross T's and dot I's, and this is a wonderful chance to be able to do something like that. Again, it feels kind of weird that they're going to be off that many days before their next game but it's a chance for them to focus internally. What do we need to get better at? What did we struggle with? A chance to really dive into film. Look at what these dudes need to do in terms of defensive rotations, in terms of how the offense has been doing under St. Andrews, maybe a couple of tweaks, a couple of new installs heading into the season. The preseason is just about over. For all intents and purposes, it is for the Grizzlies. It's time to look internally. What can we do better? What do we already do well? What can we hang our hat on in terms of identity, especially on the offensive end of the floor? Defensively, that shouldn't change too much. That should be about the same. It's just Marcus Smart instead of Dylan Brooks. Everything else, the pieces around it, pretty comparable. But you have a new offensive system. How do you implement that? How do you continue to evolve it? How do you make sure the guys are on the same page and maximizing That offensive efficiency, especially in the half court, because that will be the difference between the Grizzlies being a top five seed or so getting knocked out in the first round against a good Western Conference team and making the Western Conference finals. The Grizzlies are going to have a top five defense. If they could be a top 15, top 10-ish offense, they're one of the best teams in the NBA. They're making the Western Conference finals. You roll out a basketball and you see what happens in May and June. That is what the goal should be. And that's possible for this team. Talk about preseason predictions later on this week. Lots of folks sleeping on the Grizzlies. Not I, dear listener, dear viewer. I am not. I want to see how they survive these first 25 games because I think when Jaw comes back, they're going to be the best team in the NBA from December 19th on. That is my bold prediction. Got to take advantage of these next several days to put yourself in the best position to make it through the first 25 games. And I think the Taylor Jenkins and company understand that and we will get some good intel from DeMichael and others coming out of practices this week. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. It is appreciated. Again, the next time we'll be with you, it'll be DeMichael and I once again reunited. It'll feel oh so good. We'll talk to DeMichael about his thoughts over the last couple of preseason games, practice schedules, how he would handle the strangeness. And again, the NBA GM survey came out last week. We haven't had a chance to talk about that here on Locked Grizzlies yet. I think that would be a wonderful time. Maybe tomorrow's episode will be a great chance for us to dive into that NBA GM survey. Make sure you're liking, commenting, rating, subscribing, reviewing all those fun things wherever you get your podcasts as well as over on YouTube. I am so grateful, as is to Michael, that you make us a part of your NBA and Memphis Grizzlies content consumption each and every day. Please continue to do so. Make sure you're sticking around as the season continues to grind forward and forth. It's getting closer and closer. I'm Joe Molinax Catch you next time here on Lockdown Grizzlies.